and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Septic Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a fascinating story today. We're going to be talking about the abduction of Lindsay Higgins. It was a Netflix show, but I have the authors of a book with me. They wrote a book on the subject. It's called Pendulum Dowsing. And who I live with is George Sewell and Dan Baldwin. And basically, they looked into this case of Lindsay Higgins and her abduction, but it deals with spirit world, reincarnation, past lives, the UFO phenomenon, all wrapped in one, and they've written a book on it, and it's amazing. And also, um, they, they've uh, they've appeared on Coast to Coast AM, and we're going to get a little bit more into it. But uh, let, me, let me just tell you a little bit more about my guest. The, the name of the book is Paranormal Pendulum 3, I'm sorry. So, so a little bit more about my guest. Dan Baldwin is a professional writer, a ghost writer for other professionals. He has written and co-written or ghosted more than 50 books and won numerous local, regional, and national awards. He is a certified clinical hypnotherapist, plays the Native American flute, and an expert pendulum dowser, having used the pendulum to assist in finding missing persons for over 15 years. And George Sewell, my other guest, describes himself as a cognitive philanthropist, active in all aspects of theater, his undergraduate degree is speech and journalism from Northwestern State University, Louisiana, and a Master of Arts degree in drama and communications from the University of New Orleans. As a playwright, he has written plays for over for community theater, college theater, and dinner theater. He was awarded by Louisiana Division of Arts Fellowship in Theater. And vocationally, he has retired as a counselor, a program manager, and administrator in the field of addictive disorders including program problem gambling, sorry. And he is also the author of Habits, Patterns, and the Things Thoughts That Go Bump in the Night, A Gnome, A Candle, and Me, Just the Facts, Please, and about alcohol and drug abuse, with co-author with Dan Baldwin, who's here today, and the novel Prismere. More mischief can be found on his website and Thoughts That Go Bump in the Night, georgetsewell.com. He resides in Bossier City, Louisiana. And But I, like I said, uh, I want to give the guys a big warm welcome to the show. And George, thank you for coming on my show. How are you? Wonderful. Fine. Glad to be here. And th- thank you for choosing my show to do this case on. I thought it was an amazing case to talk about. And uh, I guess we, we should start off here. Can we talk about the Lindsay Higgins case? Well, how, how did you? I, okay, I, I saw you guys wrote a book on addiction together. So you guys have obviously worked together before. But how did you guys both get drawn into the Lindsay Higgins case? Yeah, George should take that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> out of the blue, one night, uh, the telephone rang. I didn't recognize the number of the, the caller ID, but I was handling my late wife's estate at the time, so I answered it just in case it had something to do with that. And I'll pick it up, and is this George Sewell? Uh, yes. Well, this is Lindsay Higgins. Uh, so-and-so said I could call you and we could talk. Oh, and what might we talk about? 
And it's a mutual quest that knew both of us and knew that I had a very strong interest in uh, UFOs and had been affiliated with uh, MUFON for many years. And so Lindsay just started describing, beginning at age two, some remarkable things that have been occurring all her life. And she's reaching a point to where she just can't sit on it anymore. She's got to get it out. And this is what was the first step of that process. Um, this is when she wrote up her story, if you will, and sent it out to a production company in Los Angeles that was creating a series that was going to be called Haunted for Netflix. And they immediately picked up her story. And because I was acquainted with her, they also wanted me to come out and be in the episode as well. So Lindsay and I first met physically on set uh, outside of Pasadena, California, filming the uh, net uh, the haunted episode of season one, episode five, the Lindsay Higgins abduction. That's amazing. I got acquainted. <laughs> that, that's amazing. And well, I, I guess how did the dowsing part come into? Is that where you come in, Dan? Because you're the experienced dowser. Is that where you guys got answers to a lot of your questions? Yeah, I was researching a book called uh, The Paranormal Pendulum, and it was about uh, using the pendulum to contact the deceased. And uh, George was uh, my, my number one chief top, top dog investigator in that. So we spent two or three years, about two years working on uh, that book and a subsequent book, uh, Paranormal Pendulum 2, which came out. But George and I were heavily involved in research for that project. And uh, when Lindsay called George, yeah, he saw this as a great opportunity to put, put the pendulum technique to, uh, to advantage to uh, investigate Lindsay's case. And then so George brought me into the case, and that's how the three of us got together. And then how did you guys start drawing conclusions? And, like, how did you know what questions to ask? Like, where did you start with your investigation? Like, I know this goes into reincarnation, and it goes into the spirit world, and, um, and then somehow you guys contacted the ETs. So however you guys want to dis- describe this, uh, it, it's so interesting, though. Uh, let me kind of walk through the sequence here that kind of touches on all of those. Uh, Dan was in town in Shreveport, and we were doing some pendulum work, um, communicating with spirits and so-called haunted buildings in Shreveport. And since we were downtown, I said, Dan, let's go by Central Station, uh, which was an old railroad station that was a restaurant back in the late 1970s. That's where Lindsay Higgins lived when she was two to three years old. Her father was the restaurant owner. He and his would be downstairs. Her mother was off with a, a newborn. And Lindsay would be upstairs in her room all by herself, and she would just get bored. So one day, her invisible friend offered to raise the window on the second floor <laughs> of the building and so she could step out onto the large balcony and play. Of course, people saw Lindsay doing that, and family immediately rushes in and closed the window and Lindsay, who opened the window? Oh, my friend Morlock. So this is a this is a memory that Lindsay has. It's nothing she was told. I mean, this is her her memory. It's reaffirmed by her father. Um, so Dan and I were at Central Station. Asked, is there any spirits here? Yes, I recounted the story I just told you. And is it true? And they said yes. And I asked, well, is the spirit that was Morlock uh, present? Yes. By chance, might you? be buried in Oakland Cemetery, the oldest cemetery in Shreveport. And the pendulum swung, yes. And Dan and I were going to go to the cemetery later uh, to ask some questions. And, well, will you guide us to your tomb, to your gravesite? 
yes. And so we followed directions through the cemetery and ended up at a family plot of W.D. Woodward family. And that name became very important for a later reason. You want to take it from here, Dan? Well, it got real interesting at that point because uh, we, were, we, we thought that uh, Lindsay was at first the, wife, the reincarnation of the wife of W.D. Woodworth. It turned out she's the daughter. And uh, he is the one who was, been, who was following her around and, and who was her best friend. And then through later research, we determined that not only had, uh, was Lindsay the reincarnation of, uh, what's her name? Sally, Sally Murphy. Sally Murphy. Was her, yeah, Sally Murphy was her name. But also her current father, Joe, is the reincarnation of W.D. Woodworth. And her current sister, Melissa, is the reincarnation of her sister back then, Mabel, I believe is her name. Yes, Mabel. So that's where, that's where it all started. And let me ask you guys, this, this family that she reincarnated from, or like, the, do they have any like historical significance? Like, were they known for anything? Or do they just happen to be just a, a random family? Or um. A little of both. They weren't movers and shakers, so to speak, but they were well known by the movers and shakers of Shreveport back in the 19th century. That's interesting. Because uh, I, I, I asked Ann this before the show. I said, is it common that people reincarnate into the same family? Like when we pass on, is it pretty common that we reincarnate with what some people call our soul family? You know, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our grandparents. Like, do you guys find this common or is it normal or well certainly in in the research for the paranormal pendulum book three it was very common for this particular family and particularly to reincarnate in the same roles very soon after the previous lifetime um how common this is what i can't say outside of this particular investigation but we did um eventually make contact with um if for lack of a better word the extraterrestrial uh, entity who was kind of heading up what was happening with Lindsay. And we eventually discovered that this is for her abductions, and it was beautifully portrayed in the Netflix episode five of Haunted, season one, that um, Lindsay agreed to participate in a long-term project uh, working with, I'll use the word extraterrestrials, and this was an agreement that was made 6,000 years ago, and it was on another plane other than Earth. And that's why it continues. And um, Lindsay, of course, not knowing or not recalling that, uh, was very disturbed by everything that was happening to her all these, all these many years. Um, but she did kind of recognize that yeah, there's a reason for this. And yes, I would have agreed to have done something like that over that period of time. So, and, it, and one of the traits for Lindsay being involved is the ability for Lindsay to reincarnate. That, that was very specific in one of the sessions. That's interesting. And I want to ask you this because I know you have a lot of experience in MUFON. Is this case, is this abduction case common with other cases that you've been exposed to throughout your time in MUFON? Well, that, that is zeroes right in on it. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, I was. Uh, active as assistant state director for Louisiana and had a chance to talk with quite a number of people. So when Lindsay called out of the blue and she described everything that had been happening with her, I was able to reaffirm to her that everything she has described, I have heard from someone else. 
at a different time, a different location, usually in Northwest Louisiana or East Texas. Uh, so uh, yes, what she was describing, I have heard and do, do believe it's credible from several other people. And that was a big relief for her because, okay, this, I'm not, I'm not crazy. Yeah. And uh, can I ask you this? Like, what, what is she uh, seeing? Is it the grays? Is that who she's chosen to do this program with? Would it be what, what, we, what we think of as gray aliens? Um, she, she would, growing up and where she grew up, Dan can tell you about it, it's kind of a special place. Uh, she would frequently see three kind of gray, she would call them shadow people. Um, and, That's common, by the way, for the paranormal industry. I didn't mean to interrupt. That's like, right. you know, the shadow people, are, there's something to do with the paranormal and the UFOs where it kind of clicks together. And the shadow people, and I've heard this before, but I'm sorry, go ahead. So, no, I was going to say, uh, the, the, seeing the three shadow people was something these other folks had reported uh, in a different parish some time ago. Um, what was interesting uh, Lindsay also has some psychic abilities that come into play, apparently. And it wasn't just the extraterrestrials that she was encountering or seeing. It turned out that uh, she was also seeing the spirits of three cattle Indians, Native Americans, cattle tribe, um, who were on the property where she grew up and were still on the property while we were doing the uh, investigation for the book. And... You want to take up that, Dan, with your? Well, yeah, the uh, the Catalinians came there. Uh, there remember the, uh, Robert, you remember the uh, New Madrid earthquake back around 18, 1811, 1812? I don't know much about it, no. Uh, it was a, a massive earthquake in the east centered on New Madrid, uh, Missouri. And it... Uh, uh, it virtually turned them, the, it didn't exactly reverse the course of the Mississippi River, but the Mississippi River ran north for a little while. It, it was that big. Well, Caddo Indians up in North Louisiana got a message from the Sky people, what, whoever they are, that they needed to move. They needed to go to a place where there was fresh water. So they moved 30 miles south, which is now Shreveport, Louisiana. And one of the freshwater sources is a freshwater spring located right on Lindsay's, uh, the property where Lindsay, Lindsay Higgins grew up. So that was one of the areas where the Indians not only walked around, they would have stayed there, camped there, protected the place. It was a valuable water source. So the Indians had been there for you know, a couple of hundred years. And that's, wow. Lindsay, that's some of who Lindsay was seeing. Wow. And uh, so, I mean, I've noticed this, there's a problem with other abductees too, that they have psychic abilities and they're able to speak with like, you know, they, they're, they're mediums where they can see spirits of the, of the deceased. Um, did she say why these um, spirits are, why they're earthbounds or, or is that what they, we would consider them like earthbound spirits, these Indian, these Native Americans or? Uh, uh, no, technically not, not exactly correct. There were total, there were six Indian spirits there who were quote earthbound. Uh, they were earthbound by choice. They had decided to be there to protect the property. Uh, we, we discussed it. We had a medium with us and we discussed it with it. We had a conversation with them. Three of them decided it was time for them to, to cross over. So we talked with them and basically crossed them over at the, at the location. Three of them decided to stay. They're still there, but it, they're, they're earthbound, but by, by choice because they're basically looking after the property. 
That's amazing. One of, the, one of the reasons they, uh, the other three crossed over was we, uh, we had the owner of the property, uh, Lindsay's dad there, who promised, you know, I'm going to take care of the property. Don't worry about it. And so they were, you know, free to go across. Yeah, that's a, that's an amazing. Um, now, let me ask you this. What is the role of Kate Bateman's spirit have to do with this? Yes, that's for George. The stage oh. manager. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, during the course of this interview, this investigation, uh, some we we had a lot of assistance from other sources, so to speak, and one of those sources um, turned out to be the spirit of 19th century American actress known as Kate Bateman, and she went through the elaborate um, manner of getting my attention. It's in the book of how my iPhone would frequently draft her orb. I couldn't see it, but the iPhone would capture it in a picture. So I started collecting these pictures on a certain walk that I take. And over time, it became evident that something's going on here. So I sent the pictures to Dan and asked him to take the pendulum and see, see what, what comes out. And he said, well, it's a spirit. It's known to you, but not in this lifetime. And then I had an, an impulse to look for 19th century American actresses. And there I discovered Kate Bateman. Uh, one of the individuals who, who assisted us in our research is, is a, a marvelous medium, uh, Colleen Laborde. And I had a session with her specifically to see what it is Kate wanted us to know for this particular book. And that was a pretty raucous session that validated from my point of view that, yes, this was indeed the spirit of Kate Bateman. Yes, she is involved in this. That she is well acquainted in some fashion with me, Dan, almost all the players. And we kind of suspect that she may have a lot to do with kind of nudging people along in this, in this process, because it's amazing how things just came together and unfolded uh, during this, these two years. Well, I was going to ask you, sorry, was somebody, because I'm going to ask you guys, how do you think, this is a fascinating case, by the way. This is hands down so fascinating. I'm so happy we we're doing this. But how do you guys think the spirit world and the alien world, or if we want to call them aliens, they could be interdimensionals. They could be, we don't even know, right? We we until I meet an alien, I don't know exactly what they are. But you know, the, the entities that she's in contact with, we'll say entity, and then the spirit world. How do you think this interacts? Do you think it's all in the? I'll just speculate. Do you, I'll say, do you think maybe it's all in the same dimension, or do you think it's maybe? You know, like maybe that, that, that the UFOs can access our afterlife dimension, or do you think is, is that too far out? Or? No, we have a chapter in the book specifically about um, the spirits and the uh, I use the word extraterrestrials. Uh, yes, they're they're just as active on other planes as they are in this one, and most of our contact with ET, we we asked if we could call our our extraterrestrial ET and he, he said yes of course <laughs> uh, we had many conversations with ET with pendulum but also we had two mediums working with us and asked for their impressions of ET and that was something that uh, I don't think either Dan or I were expecting uh, what what uh, Colleen and this other uh, medium Lauren uh, saw um, it was mostly um, highly evolved spirits 
that can oh. take on some sort of form if it's necessary. But the ET, um, both, both saw ET as very, very advanced, very powerful in the sense of strength. And, um, well, Dan, you felt it, as I recall. What yeah, was we had, uh, yeah, we had an interesting experience. We, were, uh, we had uh, three dowsers and two mediums meeting in a, uh, in, a, in a park to do a reading. And uh, our, our medium on the, on, the, on the case then, Lauren, you know, uh, we, were, we were sitting in a semicircle and she said, yeah, he's here. He's here. I can see him. I believe he was a, a beautiful purple color. She could see a color. And Lauren and I were sitting, sitting side by side. And I was feeling such a feeling of, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, motherhood warmth that I actually started tearing up. And it was coming directly from what, whatever Lauren was seeing, I was feeling. So there was a tremendous amount of uh, uh, loving emotion coming from ET. Uh, personal opinion: I don't think our ET is an ET. I think it's a, a much higher, much higher spiritual level than than a gray or a, a Nordic, something like that. But the the emotion was uh, over, not overpowering, but it was extremely strong and but, very positive. But she has some hybrid children, though, right, Lindsay, or, or well, Lindsay supposedly. Has, yeah. Is, is, yeah. How do they play into this, or how does that subject play into this? She's uh, she has them. She's uh, she doesn't know who they are. But she's like met met them in like like uh, abduction experiences or something like that. I, I think we got a reading once that she has met one of her hybrids, but did not recognize it at the time. We didn't explore that too heavily, but she she does have hybrids. That's they that's, are they're alive now. Yeah, she, she, she had a suspicion that that had occurred because she's, um, she's had serious female issues all her life. And that was a source of great discomfort and pain, um, particularly when she was young. And despite being hospitalized in a battery of tests, uh, there was no diagnosis that could be made to explain the discomfort and the pain that she was suffering. Uh, so when she was very young, the, the attending physicians just said, well, her mother's dying of cancer, and she's doing this just to get some attention. Of course, that was absolutely nonsense. But uh, because of all of the issues that Lindsay's had, um, she she could see, I, I don't think she had a specific recollection, but she can see that, yes, she could have been used to produce a hybrid. That's that's interesting. And then how were the men in black? Were the men in black involved in this, too? There were some instances. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Take it. You uh, know Lindsay better than I do. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, um, where, where she works, uh, she has a specific office and she has an internal phone that has a direct line to her office that um, people could, some people could use if they knew the number, but nobody knows the number because her usual phone will come through the, the switchboard at the front office of the uh, institution. And just one day, uh, that single line phone rang and it never rings. So she picked it up, you know, hello. And a rather gruff male voice said, is Tim there? Uh, no, Tim's not here. I need to speak to Tim. Uh, well, can I take a message? No. And slammed the phone. And then there was another time, maybe a month or two later, when Tim was there having lunch with uh, Lindsay and the same phone rang again. And she picks it up, 
Is Tim there? Uh, yes. Uh, would you like to speak with him? No. I was doing the sound effects there. But, uh, it was uh, pretty disturbing for them. And uh, Tim also had an experience uh, when he was closing up the store where he worked at at the time one night. And there was a, a strange truck out in the parking lot that just kind of focused on his vehicle. And he just sensed that uh, th there's something not right about that. And he, he just kind of waited inside the store until the, the characters finally left. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty common for the men in black to track up duckies, or, or they 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 seem to want to know what they have going on, you know. So I wouldn't doubt that it was them, you know, for one for one minute. Like, um, did, is that kind of the impression that you guys got? Well, we got in this case, we got the impression again through the pendulum work that uh, at least as far as Lindsay is concerned, their their presence is not hostile. They're more they're monitoring more than anything else. So they're, they're not malevolent, at least at this time, And are they, in her case. Did you guys ask the pendulum or the, 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 the answers to, are these, are men in black humans? Or are they like FBI or are they like alien type uh, monitors? We didn't explore it specifically. Okay. I was just wondering. Again, we, 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 were, we were trying to really be disciplined in this, Robert, and stay focused on Lindsay because this thing could have gone a thousand different directions so fast. Yeah, it's it, but I, I understand. It's so interesting. Now, how did Netflix get involved and pick up the story? Like, how did that all come about? Well, that came from um, Lindsay just making a decision that I can't sit on this anymore. I've got to come out with my story. And she happened to listen to a podcast. Um, I forget the name of it, but they mentioned that a Los Angeles production company was seeking stories from people, actual actual stories of their life with the paranormal and send the submissions and they would consider them for the Netflix series. So Lindsay sent hers in and within 14 hours, she heard back from the production company scheduling a Skype interview. And within 24 hours, uh, she got word that she definitely, her story will definitely be in the Netflix series. That, that's so, so that's, interesting. That's how that happened. That's what I mean by the things just click, 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 click. Um, it was just uncanny, just how it all came together. Yeah, and then, that's Kate's fault. That's our stage manager at work. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, 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 I concur. In fact, the chapter in the book where we bring Kate in is called the stage manager. Now, uh, well, let me ask you this. How do you, you guys think the UFO phenomenon, near-death experiences, the afterlife, OBEs, out-of-body, paranormal, how it's all connected. Is it all the spirit world? Is that what we would say? Or I'd love to get deeper into that with you guys. Like, From what I can tell, and I've been studying this, this whole phenomenon all my life, uh, everything is connected. It's separated by frequencies, degrees, but everything is, is connected. There's no consciousness, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, if, if there's if there's a root of everything, it's it's the big C consciousness. I know, and and it's weird because I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but I think that's really what it is because it seems like our brains are just antennas, but we can have these amazing like kind of mystical experiences, and we can have out of body experiences, and we can have near death experiences, and we can uh, uh, people are having abduction experiences, and it all seems related to like what consciousness, right? I, I, from what I understand, yes. 
Yeah, and um, it says Michelle has a December twenty eighth, twenty twenty, seven a.m. Bossier County, Louisiana, diplomatic reveal. What's that mean? Okay, uh, first off, this is Louisiana, so it's Bossier. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm from I'm from Pittsburgh. So I'm, I probably have an accent to you guys. I probably sound weird. I'm sorry. That's my. Oh, he, was a, he was a French explorer who was active in this area back in the day, but Bossier City. Uh, no, when I mentioned that for a lot of assistance with this project um, to absolutely validate that. Um, I woke up 7 a.m. on that particular morning, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, just before dawn, go into the living room there, open up the windows. It's, it's still pre-dawn, but open up the windows and look out across the street and hovering above my neighbor's house is about a 20-foot diameter orangish sphere. And it's above the street light. The street light's got um, light pollution bulbs, so it's throwing out a similar color. And look in the distance, I can see streaks of light from the pre-dawn coming up from, from facing east. And I notice that um, the circumference of the of the sphere is is feathered, like an artist would feather with, with her paint. You know, it's it's shimmering. It, it's it's got a little bit of movement. Shimmer is a good word for it. And I examine that thing upside downside. I mean, this this there's just no. It is truly there. And the amazing thing is, what I did next. Did I run outside and look at it? Did I grab my iPhone and try to get a picture? No, I went to feed the cats. <laughs> Make it come off. <laughs> and this was the point this this was the point because uh when i passed back by the window it was gone and i could almost sense a snap okay something has been revealed here and what they were doing and i on well, the pendulum said yes this was et doing this that um, they were providing a diplomatic that yes, this is for real. Yes, this book is got excellent material in it. Yes, this needs to happen. And by the way, here's a taste of what is known in the field as alien apathy, where somebody who's having an experience reacts in a way that they would not be expected to react. I mean, you would expect me to go outside and look at the thing. Yeah. Feed the cats. So it was real mm -hmm. subtle. Very, very subtle. And I think they were just giving a demonstration of how subtle their communications can be. And I immediately equated that when, um, when Dan said, uh, uh, Kate was uh, known to me, but not in this lifetime. And being 19th century American actresses, I'm sure it was that same kind of subtlety that led me to, to search 19th century American actresses. Um, I, I guess, like what, one of the questions I have is, do the do the ETs have a message? And is I, I guess is that what we're getting at? Is like that this in, this information needs to come out that um, that they want to they maybe they want the public to know that they're real and that they exist. And is that kind of what the, the, is disclosure a big part of this message? I think that's that's part of it. Uh, for some reason, George and I are getting some kind of communication. Uh, in the early stages of communication. I don't know where that, that's going to lead, but so obviously we're getting a lot of contact. A good example, I went uh, camping up in the, on the north of the Navajo Reservation up in Utah, 
And where I was camping, I was by myself, nobody around for 10 or 20 miles. My view was uh, unlimited for 100 miles, but it was over the Navajo reservation. So there was, there was no people, no lights, no towns, no community. Uh, I meditated using a, a, a technique that uh, I believe Stephen Greer recommended for ET contact. Meditated and uh, sent telepathic messages upward. You know, if anybody's there, would you please show up? Uh, nothing happened. So I went to bed, sleeping on my cot. And at uh, about 1.30 in the morning, I just woke up wide awake, completely wide awake. Stepped out of, stepped off of my cot and there was a bright uh, golden globe off in the distance, about the size of the moon. Uh, you know, wow. first thought was, well, there's the moon. No, because I remember the moon had set about four hours earlier. So I got up, <clears throat> walked around the side of my truck, stood there, watched it for you know, a couple of minutes. It was just a golden globe hanging in the sky. No movement. It, it wasn't. No way it could be an aircraft. You know, no strobe, no, no uh, running lights. Just a huge moon-sized yellow globe hanging there. And uh, I blinked and it was gone. Wow. So there, there's there's some reason they're showing up to uh, this. This is I don't I don't want to say common, but it happens a lot with George and I. We're getting some sort of communication, and I think they're just trying to say at this point, hey, we're here. But I believe it's going to lead someplace else. I, I hope so because I think I think like it's the time for it, right? Like you know, you mentioned Dr. Greer's app, and like um, it seems like nowadays is like the time, like. The military is coming forward with all kinds of information. Like more people are coming out about their abduction experiences. Heck, people are even talking about a secret space program and stuff like that. But you know, it's it seems like this is the time when maybe the ETs are starting to make themselves known to more and more people. Is that what you guys think? Yeah, I was out. You know, <laughs> I'm out here. Look, I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody around. Nobody's going to see anything. Show up, and they did. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Um, and, and the last question I have for you guys is like the, the techniques you guys use for dowsing. I don't think we went over that. The 10 pendulum dowsing techniques. Like, can you go over that a little bit? Because I, I, I mentioned to Dan George before the show, I was a big Art Bell fan. And um, when I was a kid, I used to listen to Art Bell. And uh, his wife, Ramona, was a dowser. And she was able to find water with the, with the dowsing yeah. rod, if you guys remember. Um, it, it, but she used a rod, um, but you guys use a pendulum. How is that different? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a rock on a string. And I, I point out there's nothing magical or mystic, mystical about it. It's just a tool. But what happens is when you ask a question, the pendulum will swing right for yes, left for no. And the way that happens is your conscious mind focuses on the rock. That frees up your subconscious mind to make contact with your higher self or with the aliens or with the departed spirits. And basically, they download the answer through your subconscious mind, and uh, your subconscious mind directs your fingers to go right or left. The That's pretty cool. Is amazingly simple. Yeah, it's it's so it's so cool though. It really is. Um, it, I I don't have any other questions. Uh, I'm trying to think. Do you want to guys to want to say again the name of the book and where to find it and and where if, if you get the fans have any questions for you or anything like that. Well, there's, there's a series called The Paranormal Pendulum, which is a how-to book on, the, you know, if you want to learn the pendulum dowsing and how you use that to communicate with the deceased, it's a how-to book. Uh, Paranormal Pendulum 2 is this book George and I worked on, which contains all the information we learned during that research. It's a 
400 page book, you know, what wow. are orbs, what are angels, what's it like on the other side? Do you really go through the light? Are pets waiting for us over there? And then Paranormal Pendulum 3 is the book George and I wrote together about the Lindsay Higgins abduction. Yeah, well, I didn't realize you guys had that many answers on the afterlife. I'm going to have to have you guys back on the show to talk yeah, about the afterlife. Yeah. yeah just, uh, we got a lot of information. Yeah, and the books are all available at Amazon, so they're Okay. Well, well, thank you again. This was awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, th I think this is a fascinating case, and I think the fans will really gravitate towards it. So I appreciate you guys doing this. Hey, thank you. All right, thank you, Robert. All right, have a good day.